You are listening to the Sermon Podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. Chris Hewitts was in Kolkata, India on a kind of a mission trip. And so he's out walking around one night with some of his friends on the trip. And, and they come across this person lying on the ground. The, the person's all covered up with this filthy fly-infested blanket. And uh, there's a three-foot-long trail of diarrhea that's running toward the gutter. And so, I mean, it's pretty obvious to anyone walking by that, that the person under the sheet is dying or uh, already dead. So, Chris's buddy, Josh, taps the body on the shoulder to see if the person's alive and the body moves. So, Josh pulls the blanket down so he can see the person's face. It's a guy, probably in his early 20s. And when the blanket gets pulled down, he's got this shocked deer-in-the-headlights look on his face. I mean, I mean uh, he's obviously helpless. He's lost, afraid, alone. But as soon as he realizes that Chris and his friends are going to help him, he, he just starts sobbing, and he can't stop. Even, even as a crowd starts gathering around them, he just keeps on crying. They don't have much to work with, so Chris's other friend, Sarah, grabs a bottle of water and some newspaper, and she starts trying to clean the poor guy, wiping the diarrhea off with the newspaper and rinsing him with the water. His body's basically a leathery-skinned skeleton. His eyes are bulging out of his skull. Sarah asks him his name. He says his name is Tuteladas, and he just keeps crying. The crowd gets bigger, but nobody wants to help, so Chris tries to flag down a taxi, but none of them will stop, so two more of Chris's friends go down the street a ways, and they finally find a taxi who will drive them, so Chris and Josh and Sarah head to the taxi, and they bring Tuteladas with them. They ask the driver to please take them to Mother Teresa's home for the dying. And while they're getting loaded up, Chris turns around and he catches sight of a church. He didn't notice it before. Even though the church's sign is literally less than five feet away from where they found Tuteladas dying in the street. The sign says, all are welcome here. I mean, that's probably why whoever it is dropped him off right next to the church. They probably thought he'd actually be welcome there. But instead of welcoming him or helping him, the people from the church just stood there, literally stood there, behind their gate and watched as Chris and his friends helped. But the church's gates stayed closed. 
Sometimes the church isn't what it's supposed to be. Sometimes the church doesn't live up to its calling. And, and in our text for this morning, we're going to see the first time that this happened. The, the very first time that the church didn't live up to its calling. We'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. And it, it's been quite a week for Jesus' disciples, and it's putting it mildly. I mean, it's been a real emotional roller coaster for them. I mean, from the highs of uh, the, the triumphal entry to the, the devastating lows of, of Jesus being crucified, dead, and buried. And then, and then the news from Mary, one of the women in the group, that, that Jesus' tomb was empty. And he was risen from the dead because she had seen him with her own two eyes. So now what? What will the disciples do now with this amazing and and pretty unbelievable news of Jesus' resurrection? Now what? On the evening of that first day of the week... When the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The word of the Lord. Okay, so now most uh, Bible commentators, when they're writing about the end of John here, they tell us that these last couple chapters here in the Gospel of John are put here to show us what the church should be. And, and John chose this particular incident, I mean, right after the resurrection of Jesus, I mean, later that day, to, to show us some things that the church should be in the world. And the church that we just read about here in John chapter 20 This is probably one one of the most pathetic gatherings of people to ever call themselves a church. This is the picture of the church at its worst. I mean, here are Jesus' disciples. They're they're all huddled together after his triumphant, glorious resurrection from the grave. And and look at them. I mean, just just look at them. I mean, there's like 19 whole chapters before this in John's gospel where Jesus is preparing his disciples for this moment. For the time that he was going to be leaving them. Jesus has been teaching them. And teaching them over and over and over again. Teaching them to trust in him and and to love one another and to serve one another. And and, and to be the branches of his vine. And to drink his living water and to eat his bread of life. And to believe that he's the resurrection and the life. And to be ready to follow him at all costs. And just look at him. Sitting there in that upper room with the doors closed all Locked up, all huddled together, like, well, 
like a nest of scared little baby bunnies. And you call this a church? I mean, they were supposed to be the ones who were were, were taking the good news out into the world, the, the ones who were supposed to be telling everyone around them that Jesus Christ has triumphed over the grave, but, but look at them. Just look at them, uh, hoping that nobody knows where they are. They're literally hiding. You call this a church? This is the church at its worst. W- w- one writer called them, this is the church of sweaty palms and shaky knees and a firmly bolted front door. And, and so I was wondering, you know, what, what, what if they had a slogan? What would it be? Or, you know, like churches today, do. what if they had a mission statement or a purpose statement? What would it be? Well, I think it might look something like this. First church at Jerusalem. Frightened members, fearful hearts, locked doors. Or, uh, if this were happening today, maybe it would look something like this. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Open door Christian fellowship with the door bricked shut. And you call this a church? <laughs> maybe the, the church of Jerusalem, maybe they should put a sign out front, Right? Don't bother to come as you are. Nobody's really welcome here because the doors are locked. This is a church with with absolutely nothing going for it. Except except that, that when these scaredy cat disciples in this lame excuse for a church got together... Jesus showed up. The risen Christ came through their locked doors and stood right there with them. And a a quick side note here, I'd pay good money to be able to see the look on the disciples' faces when that happened. So I'd like to imagine that when Jesus appeared that, that his eyes were dancing and full of fire. And that his smile lit up that room like the noonday sun. I, I, mean, I mean, what a moment, seriously. And so, you know, on, on second thought, maybe this isn't the worst church ever. Maybe. Maybe this church actually is as close as any church ever gets to really being a church. Because when Jesus shows up, that's when a sad, pathetic group of people become a church. When Jesus shows up. And truth of the matter is that that when we sit here and we look back at, at this pitiful picture of the church here in our text, we should also realize that without Jesus, this is a picture of any church. Our church too, that, that without Jesus, triumph would be little more than a pretty pitiful group of scaredy cat believers all huddled up together, honestly hoping that nobody really notices that we're here. Without Jesus, the church is, it's not a church, but the good news for us is that Jesus is here.
The good news for us is that Jesus comes to our weak human gatherings and he breathes life, his abundant eternal life into us. Jesus comes to us and he says, peace be with you. You too. And you know something, when he says this, when Jesus says, peace be with you, this, uh, in, in that culture and language, this is probably the most generous and kind greeting that anyone can give. Because it literally means that all peace in all ways, at all times, always be with you. So Jesus shows up and he gives the, the warmest and kindest, most generous greeting possible. He doesn't scold them or us for our doubts. He doesn't come down on them or us for our failures. He doesn't pop in and say, you people call this a church? Shame on you, do better. He doesn't belittle us, he doesn't write us off, and he doesn't even give us a pep talk to motivate us. Instead, the risen Christ comes to us and says, peace be with you. And then he shows us his hands and his side, the the wounds of his suffering death for us. And then in case we missed his point, he says it again, peace be with you. And then he breathes his life into us, giving us the, the Holy Spirit, giving us the power to be a community or a family that, well, where people can find forgiveness for all their sins. So here's a church that's really a church. So I mean, one of the things that our teachers and scholars tell us, things that we teach our kids in confirmation in our, in our catechism, is that, is that the definition of a church is a group of believers who gather together around God's word and, around, and, and the sacraments, okay? And that's right, it's true, because this is just another way of saying that the church is a group of believers who gather together around Jesus Christ, Because each and every time that the word of God is read and sung and prayed and preached, Jesus is here, and that's a church. And every time that that we take communion together, the, the true body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under the bread and the cup, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, Jesus is here, and that's a church. Each and every time someone is brought to the Lord in holy baptism, they're, they're buried with Jesus in his death and they rise with Jesus to newness of life. Every time someone is baptized, Jesus is here and that's a church. The church is a group of believers who gather together in, through, and around Jesus Christ. Or, Or better yet, actually, the church is a group of believers who Jesus gathers together in, through, and around himself. So in other words, church is a gift. The church is a gift from uh, from our God who who refuses to, to just let us be. He refuses to let us stew in our own juices. Who 
refuses to let us wallow in, in our sin and rebellion, who refuses to let us suffer the, the penalty of sin and the sting of death. So he sends his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to live and die and rise again so that whoever believes in him might not perish but have abundant eternal life. And the church is what happens when Jesus comes to us and gathers us together around himself. I mean, remember when when Jesus said that where even two or three of us are gathered together in his name, that he'll be right there? He meant it. He meant it. And so each and every time that we meet in Jesus' name, Jesus is there. It's his presence that makes a church a church. We're a church because Jesus comes to us and he calls us together and he communes with us. And he commissions us to pass along his gifts to the whole world in his name. You call this a church? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I do. Will Williman is a bishop in the Methodist church. I think he might be retired now. But anyway... His very first church was in Sewanee, Georgia. And he was right out of seminary, you know, all gung-ho about being a, a good pastor in his first church. He was also in graduate school at the time. So he was commuting from Atlanta out to the little church in the country on the weekends. So on his first Sunday, Pastor Will gets to the church and there's a big chain and padlock on the front door. And so he asked somebody at the church about it, and he finds out that it was the sheriff who locked things up. And so Will asks the, the, the guy, he goes, why did the sheriff do this? The church member says, well, things got a bit out of hand at the board meeting last month. If folks started ripping up carpet and dragging out the pews that they gave in memory of their mothers. It got real bad. So the sheriff come out here and he put that there lock on the door till our new preacher could come settle things down for us. And Pastor Will's like, oh, great. He actually said that, that when he would drive out there every Sunday, he'd pray for a miraculous snowstorm to save him from another Sunday at that so-called church. He was there a year, but it felt like a lifetime. And he tried everything while he was there. He worked and he planned and he taught and he begged, but the church never really responded or changed. And, and finally, the, the, the arguments and the pettiness and the fights in the parking lot after board meetings. It was, it was more than Pastor Will could take, so he resigned. And he was glad to be leaving them behind. In fact, as, as his tires kicked up gravel in the parking lot after his last Sunday there, he muttered, and you call this a church? 
Now, a few years later, Pastor Will is um, visiting Emory University, which isn't too far from the church, and he runs into this guy who tells him that he's now serving that church. And the new pastor goes, you know, they still remember you out there. And Will says, yeah, well, I remember them too. The new pastor says, they're a remarkable bunch of people. Yeah, they're uh, remarkable, all right. And the new guy goes, yes, sir. Their ministry to the community has been a wonder. In one way or another, that little church is now supporting more than a dozen of the troubled families around the church. And their free daycare is going great. And there's not too many interracial congregations like them in North Georgia. And Pastor Will's like, wait, what? Are we talking about the same church? He, he couldn't believe it. So he asks the guy, what happened? And the new guy says, I don't know. One Sunday, things just sort of come together. It wasn't anything in particular. It's just that when the service was done and we were on our way out, we, well, we knew that Jesus loved us and that he had plans for us. And things pretty much took off after that. I'll tell you what I think happened. <clears throat> I think someone showed up there and knocked the lock off that door and kicked it down and offered those people peace and the Holy Spirit and forgiveness and eternal life. And that someone was Jesus. And now, they're a church. Church is Jesus Christ unlocking all the doors so that he can get in to give us his gifts and so that we can get out to share those gifts <clears throat> with the world. Amen. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we pray that, uh, that you would help each and every one of our hearts to be melted all over again by, by Jesus and everything that he's done for us. And that, that you would also help all of us to leave here today knowing that Jesus loves us and that he has plans for us. For we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I just want to take a minute to say thank you for downloading or streaming this content today. We try and pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlvc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. 
Or, or you can visit triumphlbc.org events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content, and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless you.